All right, y'all, this will be the last question. Last question. Right. Uh, hi, yeah. Mr. Fields, Jackson Durham from the Five Yard Fantasy Podcast here. Big congratulations on the win. But I just want to know, do you feel bad about making me lose this week in fantasy by only targeting Darnell Mooney twice? Hey, it's a valid question. It's a valid question. He is someone to watch. I'm right here right now. And that is interesting. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh, that's that's oh my goodness. Let's do it. I'm excited to hear this. I'm excited. Uh, let's go ahead and get into it. I'm never going back to Chicago. Anyway, guys, welcome back. Uh, it's it's good to be back after a really, really exciting week one of football. And something that always stands out to me is the aftermath of week one is just prime time for hot takes. And uh, me personally, I like to go back and reflect on week one takeaways from uh, from years long ago, specifically 2021. So today we're going to look at two takes from 2021 just to remind ourselves of two things. Thing one, there is no need to overreact to the first week of football. And thing two, when you say something stupid on the internet, it's there forever. Some of my favorite week one takes from real reporters last year. The Shane Waldron-Russell Wilson marriage looks like the beginning of something special for the Seattle Seahawks. That's a great analogy and perfect evidence for why this reporter should never, ever consider a career in marriage counseling. Here's another great one. Josh Allen looked uncomfortable, and the Bills should have their expectations sobered by a poor opener in Pittsburgh. I don't bring these up to suggest that I don't make mistakes personally or to embarrass these other reporters. However, I do bring it up to remind you to stick to your guns and stick to what you know. Do not put too much stock in one bad performance or one good performance. If one good performance translated to long-term fantasy success, then Sammy Watkins would be one of the greatest fantasy receivers of all time. With all that being said, let's talk through what we saw in the first week. I'm going to call this segment buying or selling, and I think we're going to do this pretty regularly, and we're going to go over some standout performances, good or bad, and I'll tell you if I'm buying or selling that performance. If I'm buying, I think it's something you can bank on long-term. Again, that can be good or bad. If I'm selling, I think this is a one-off thing. Again, that can be a one-off good game or one-off bad game. So with all those ground rules laid... Let's get into it. Buying or selling on these week one receivers. These are three week one receivers that disappointed. First up, C.D. Lamb. C.D. struggled in week one, uh, and it was not for a lack of targets. Absolutely not. He finished with just two receptions on 11 targets, uh, team leading 11 targets for just 29 yards, and had to watch as his quarterback left the game late in the fourth quarter, and now Dak faces surgery. He'll be out for a few weeks. CD only mustered 4.9 fantasy points in that 11 target outing for a 0.44 fantasy point per target pace. Uh, he will not maintain that abysmal pace. I guarantee you that. And I'm sure he will still have some value as a volume receiver who will give you a few solid games just because he's going to get 11 to 13, maybe 15 targets a night on some really good nights against some poor secondaries. But with Cooper Rush in for a couple weeks, it's going to be rough. I am going to have to buy into this performance from CeeDee Lamb. I, is, I do think this is what you're going to have to expect from him until, at the very least, we get Dak Prescott back. Not inspiring from CeeDee Lamb at all. 
Darnell Mooney are next up on this. Mooney saw just three total targets in a outing that absolutely took me by surprise. Darnell Mooney's been someone that I'm really, really high on. Still am really high on Darnell Mooney. He just simply was not a big part of the offense. Uh, he generated just 1.8 points, uh, despite the Bears winning. You know, if you had told me the Bears are going to win against the 49ers on Sunday, I would have told you, okay, Darnell Mooney's going to have a really big game. He's going to be a big part of a successful Justin Fields-led passing offense that will lead them past the 49ers. But that just wasn't the case. The 49ers were very mistake-prone. They kind of shot themselves in the foot just a few too many times to win this game. And I think we saw that a couple times with a few teams uh, this week, the Denver Broncos being one of them on Monday Night Football. That game just ended for me, uh, so fresh in the mind. But uh, it's if the Bears want to continue to be successful, they are going to have to get Mooney involved. They're not going to win games against teams like the 49ers by having him produce 1.8 points and 8 yards. It's just not going to happen. He's their best receiver. Uh, Fields only put the ball in the air 17 times all day long, and I think the conditions can be blamed for a lot of that. Chicago was having an absolutely historic day of rain by like 10 a.m. Uh, th- I think they had 10 inches already or something like that. The field and ball, uh, they were wet all game long. That's going to make passing really, really difficult. I'm going to keep trusting the process in Chicago. I'm going to see how Mooney fares against this Green Bay secondary that just got grittied on by Justin Jefferson to the tune of like 39 fantasy points. I am selling this game from Darnell Mooney. We will check in after week two. Next up, Mike Williams. Mike Williams struggled to get involved in week one as well. And unlike Darnell Mooney, he doesn't really have the excuse of the inactive passing game or rain so bad they squeegeed grass. Uh, He saw just four targets all day and a super, super balanced Chargers passing attack. Herbert was spreading the ball to everybody with a bolt on their helmet. Uh, A running back or a tight end was the target on a combined 16 of Herbert's total 34 attempts. The attack's not going to be that balanced every week. Uh, I don't think Gerald Everett will be as involved. I don't think the other backup running backs are going to be as involved. Especially if Keenan Allen misses time uh, with this hamstring injury, I'm going to sell this performance. I think Mike Williams is someone you can count on to get involved. Call it Hopium because he's on my team. Uh, but I actually do I, I do have some faith in Mike Williams to get back and get active in that uh, Chargers offense. Moving on to a few players who had great week ones. Uh, Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz balled out in week one. Scored 29.7 points in a fantastic debut in the commander's offense. Uh, Two years in a row of new offenses for Carson Wentz. He threw for four touchdowns, well over 300 yards. Really, really great debut, but I'm not sold yet. Uh, Still too, too much uncertainty around way too many of the pieces in that commander's offense to be considering Wentz as a weekly start in any non-two QB league. And a two QB league is a great ad. Uh, but I'm selling this performance on a very light note. I will be watching his week two very closely. If he can replicate a performance like this, he might be worth some consideration. He's got a really low roster rate. He almost made my waiver wire report, but Carson Wentz is someone that I'm just going to have to watch it for another week, see if he can replicate it. Michael Pittman Jr. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr. had a fantastic game against the Texans. He saw 13 targets in that tie. Uh, Texans are not the greatest defense in the league, but I'm buying into this game from Pittman. He seems to be the only receiver getting consistent attention from Matt Ryan, and he's by far their most talented option. I think he should continue to see this kind of target share. I think he continues to establish himself as a top fantasy receiver this year. I like Michael Pittman Jr. a lot. He was really, he kind of flew under the radar last year, but he was very solid for the Carson Wentz Colts. I think he can be even better for the Matt Ryan Colts. Uh, Definitely buying into that Michael Pittman Jr. game. 
Cordero Patterson. This one is tricky. Really surprising for me that Patterson kind of retained that hybrid role. But when you look at the larger context in Atlanta, it makes sense. So if we can rewind the clock a little bit, we've talked about Cordero Patterson a lot. The last time we brought him up was probably to mention the fact that he had been introduced to a reduced role, according to Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith was talking about this a lot in the offseason, uh, that they want to move him out of that hybrid role and use him more as a traditional wide receiver and let Damian Williams and Tyler Algier, their rookie running back at a BYU, take most of those snaps. But Damian Williams was out with a rib injury in week one. Uh, that's really important to note. And also important to note, Tyler Algier was a healthy scratch. So Cordero Batterson was the lead back in that Falcons roster without the two or the three available. So what that kind of tells me is that Algier is not quite ready to be in the mix as that two back, but they want him in there as the three. And what they want to do is kind of mix Damian Williams and Cordero Patterson. But when that's not available, so in the absence of that being an option, they'll just roll with Cordero Patterson as the lead horse. Uh, and we saw that this week. He produced very, very well for fantasy, uh, over 100 rushing yards, some receiving action as well. To me, though, this reads as a really good time to sell on Cordero Patterson in a trade. I think you can get good value back for him. I don't think the Falcons were lying about their plans to decrease his rushing workload. I would not count on him being utilized as a hybrid every week. Definitely selling this performance. Last, OJ Howard. OJ Howard's super last minute ad for the Texans. Uh, he got released by the Bills, but he's always been a really stellar athlete, and the Texans are definitely looking for young players who could be a part of a turnaround in that organization. And Howard seems like the that guy in week one. Two touchdowns for him on two targets. I would look for him to continue to see high target share in that Texans offense. It already seems like Davis Mills sees him as the go-to option in the red zone. I really do think that he could be a, just strictly off the touchdowns, he could be a really good streaming option at tight end for people. And that also, because he is rostered in a astonishing less than 0.3% of leagues by ESPN, that will make him my first waiver wire report player as we segue real quick into the waiver wire. Uh, I am buying on this OJ Howard performance, very light buy. I'm not saying go chase OJ Howard, but if you've got room on your bench, definitely consider adding him. He can be insurance at tight end for you. It does seem like he will be an option. I bet you he gets a lot of snaps. Moving on to the rest of the waiver wire. Daryl Henderson. This one, I think, is a it's a big one for me. Daryl Henderson is rostered in just 45% of leagues, which is very low. And right now, he seems to be the lead back in LA. Uh, even if that does eventually become Akers, this is a committee approach. Uh, we've already kind of seen that. That's been made clear. Akers isn't healthy enough to take over as the the one guy without Henderson there. So I think Henderson is a great addition for anyone who needs some running back insurance on their bench, especially early on in the season. I think you will see a lot, a lot of volume. Moving on, someone that you might have to sit on a little bit. He doesn't have an exact timetable for his return, but Jamison Williams is a premium player who is rostered in just 22% of leagues. The Lions need a wide receiver to step up outside of Amon Ross and Brown, and Williams absolutely has the wheels in the hands to be that guy for Jared Goff. I'm telling you right now, do not fall for the DJ chart trap. Add Jamison Williams now, profit later. This is the right move for you. He has the chance to be that like uh, Jamar Chase type receiver this season among the rookies. He is the most talented rookie receiver in my opinion. Jamison Winston. Winston is rostered in just 36% of leagues. 
despite being one of the league's most gunslinging QBs who already proved he can be fantasy viable in this New Orleans offense last season before he got injured. I think he's definitely worth a chance in this offense. He was great in week one. They have a lot more weapons than people than people will give them credit for. Uh, they've got Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara. All those guys are going to help keep that passing offense going. And Jamison Winston's willing to take enough chances to get you fantasy points, even if you're going to have to deal with some interceptions along the way. He should definitely be rostered in more than 36% of leagues. Julio Jones wrapping up the list. Julio saw way higher than expected usage on Sunday Night Football in that Buccaneers offense, and I do expect that trend to continue. He is rostered in just 43% of leagues, and there were absolutely some vintage Julio Jones moments in Week 1, and I think we'll see plenty more of those throughout the season. I am in on Julio Jones. Shout out Luke Sawhook for selling me on Julio Jones. Uh, I don't know if you're listening to this, buddy, but if you are, shout out. Uh, That about does it for us today. Thanks for tuning in and join me on Thursday for some stardom sit'em and more listener fantasy teams getting graded. Same bad time, same bad station. I will see you guys at 8 a.m. on Thursday. He is someone to watch. I'm right here, right now. And that is interesting. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Let's do it. I'm excited to hear this. I'm excited. Uh, let's go ahead and get into it.